The tour content from now through Lagwa Omer has been generously sponsored by Malki M. Thank you, Malki. June is less than a month away, which means that I'll soon be transitioning into summer writing mode with more Substack articles and fewer recorded shiurim. The bulk of these articles will remain free. However, if you would like to support my Torah and gain access to additional spicy written content, consider becoming a paid subscriber by going to rabbishneweis.substack.com and signing up today. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoic Jew Podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. Today's reading is yet another reading from letter number 123 by Seneca, and I believe this is going to be the last reading that we'll do in this particular series. Um, I wasn't so keen on the end of the letter, so we're just going to read this part and then skip the end of the letter, which reminds me of something Rabbi Moskowitz once said. Obviously, he, he was using hyperbole, but he said that the woman he admired most was this one woman he knew who was able to eat half of a candy bar, and when he asked her, why didn't you finish it? She said, I only wanted half, <laughs> and, uh, and Rabbi Moskowitz said that that was like the the pinnacle of self-control. Um, and I think he also used the example of if you are listening to a song in the car that you don't really like, like it's on the radio and you get home and um, and you feel compelled to stay and listen to it in order to finish the song uh, instead of just turning off the car and going in. He said that that's like, you know, if, if you, if, in other words, just because you start something doesn't mean you need, you need to finish it if, if, uh, if, if the, if there's no reason to. So, I'm applying that to this letter of Seneca and overcoming my uh, my tendencies to want to see something through to its completion. Anyway, so the last point Seneca made was how you should not get seduced by people who are peddling in in um, counterfeit stoicism uh, when they're really advocating a life of uh, pleasure uh, of indulgence and physical pleasures, but they're doing it with with stoic sounding terminology and principles like. You know, uh, you know, if you really recognize that you were going to die, then you would spend all your money on on uh, on you know parties and such, and uh, and you know live it up. So he concluded that with a sentence, which I'm going to actually start off um, today's reading with because I think it, it's related to the main idea. Uh, so he says, "How much better to pursue a straight course and eventually reach that destination where the things that are pleasant and the things that are honorable finally become for you the same." And we can achieve this if we realize that there are two classes of things attracting or repelling us. We are attracted by wealth, pleasures, good looks, political advancement, and various other welcoming and enticing prospects. We are repelled by exertion, death, pain, disgrace, and limited means. It follows that we need to train ourselves not to crave for the former and not to be afraid of the latter. Let us fight the battle the other way around. Retreat from the things that attract us and rouse ourselves to meet the things that actually attack us. You know the difference, Lucilius, between the postures people adopt in climbing up and descending a mountain. Those climbing down a slope lean back. Those moving steeply upwards lean forward. For to tilt one's weight ahead of one when descending and backwards when ascending is to be in league with what one has to contend with. The path that leads to pleasures is the downward one. The upward climb is the one that takes us to rugged and difficult ground. Here, let us throw our bodies forward in the other in, in the other direction, rein them back. Um... Okay, so uh, what was I going to say? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So just let's understand the, the shot here. So he's saying basically that if you find yourself in the pull of, uh, of a life of, of the physical pleasures, so then what you're going to need to do is to go is lean towards the opposite extreme, uh, which is resisting them. Um, and uh, he compares that to when you're climbing up a mountain, you want to lean forward 
because if you leaned backwards, that would be in the direction of the thing you're trying to contend with, namely gravity, and you'd fall. Uh, or if you're going down the mountain, same thing, is that you are, you're trying to uh, contend with gravity, uh, and so you lean, you lean backwards, so that, that, you know, instead of leaning forward into the gravity. So, so to here, you're trying to contend with, with not being controlled by the desire for pleasure. Uh, and so any stoicism that is going to lead you or anything that, that purports to be stoicism, that's going to lead you to indulge in more pleasure and make you a slave to, to your lusts. That's not real stoicism. And that's not going to get you where you want to go, which is to the point where the pleasant things are, uh, and the honorable things are one and the same. Now, um, when I read this, I immediately thought of the Rambam in Hilchus Deus and the laws of character traits, uh, when he talks about how to deal with an extreme character trait and, to oversimplify, uh, which obviously we'd have to learn Hilgos Deos uh, to really understand this, you go to the opposite extreme and then return to the middle. The f- first place where he really talks about this is in Shimon Prakim, uh, chapter 4, which I, I just want to read an excerpt from this. Um, he says, uh, and I want to read this excerpt because he talks about this exact problem, uh, a person who is um, contending with uh, the extremes of of too much indulgence in pleasure or uh, or too little indulgence in pleasure. And actually, he starts off with a person who is prone towards asceticism, uh, which we talked about in the last episode. He says, suppose, for example, we were to encounter someone who is disposed toward allowing himself very little, which is a serious personal flaw, who thus did bad things, as we have explained in this chapter. That is to say, he engaged in extreme self-denial. If we wished to cure him of this illness, we would not order him to merely act generously toward himself, i.e. to start allowing himself some amenities, for that would be like treating someone overcome by heat with something merely lukewarm, which would not be able to cure him of his illness. Instead, we would order him to practice being extravagant towards himself, i.e. to start allowing himself to be profligate again and again, many times over, until he would have expunged this quality of stinginess, i.e. self-denial, and had become well-nigh extravagant, or profligate for a time, or nearly so. We would then discourage him from being extravagant towards himself, i.e. from being profligate, and tell him to be merely generous towards himself, i.e. by only allowing himself some amenities, no more and no less all the time from then on. And were we to encounter someone extravagant, i.e. someone who demands many amenities for himself, we would have to enjoin him to act stingily, i.e. to deny himself amenities again and again. Yet we wouldn't have to have him act stingily as often as we would have the other person act extravagantly. So um, now, the, just to be uh, uh, full disclosure here, the Raman then goes on to make a very subtle point about how how the nature going from extreme A towards the middle is different than going from extreme B towards the middle. Certain extremes are easier to retreat from towards the middle, and certain ones are harder. Um, and uh, I actually recorded an earlier version of this episode. Um, and got very involved in that topic and then decided that the topic was too big to address in this one episode. So maybe we'll return to it at another time. I just want to just lay out this disclaimer here that the Ramam's method of the middle path is not as simple as it looks in the in, in the very beginning uh, at first glance. Uh, I'm just bringing it in for this example from Seneca to show that it's, you know, it, it's a similar thing where, where if you find yourself, you know, uh, propelled down a hill, then you have to lean back in order to resist that uh that that pull until you can even out and and this is the point i wanted to make okay which is that uh seneca started off today's excerpt by saying uh how much better to pursue a straight course and eventually reach that destination where the things that are pleasant and the things that are honorable finally become for you the same and i think that this is a uh a 
a, a critical tool that you can use if you find yourself having difficulty implementing this. Because I think when you have to curb a desire, um, then there's this feeling that I am giving up a pleasure because that's what you're doing, right? But if we think back to the beginning of this letter when Seneca talked about his bad bread and how he wanted good bread and all he had was bad bread uh, and he wasn't getting the pleasure he had wanted, um, Seneca there pointed out that if you succeed in changing your own desires, you know, to the point where, let's say in this, in, in that case where you wait until you're very hungry so that anything you eat will taste good. So then you actually do get pleasure. You get what you want. And I think that this is something that in the moment where you are confronted with a decision to give up the pleasure, you think that all you're doing is giving up the pleasure. But by practicing this, then what you're actually doing is you are moving yourself towards a state in which what is pleasurable and what is honorable, meaning what is actually like in line with human perfection, is uh, is the same. And so you really will end up in a place where you're going to get maximum pleasure, but just not the way that you relate to that pleasure now. I hope that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> this is... Um, very in line with Michelet, uh, Michelet's whole approach, which is not to deny you what you want. Michelet says, go for whatever you want, but do it in a manner of, of chachma, using wisdom, and then you'll get that pleasure in the, greater, in, in, in the greatest degree uh, with the fewest consequences. So he's, he's promoting, the, and again, this is a theme I've tried to stress this entire time, that you could superficially read Seneca and think that he's advocating for asceticism. But no, he's advocating for a life of, of, of maximum pleasure, but sometimes a life of maximum pleasure requires you to exercise control and giving up certain pleasures in order to get to a point where you can derive maximum pleasure from less. Um, so I think with that, let's end this letter here. There is more that he, uh, he writes about, but if you're interested in that, you could read the letter yourself and, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, and uh, form your own conclusions. That is it for today's episode. If you've gained from what you've learned here today and would like to support my production of even more Torah content, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash rabbishnamewise. Link is in the description. Thank you to my listeners for listening, and thank you to my patrons for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.